Well, I want to continue this morning with a series we started a couple of weeks ago called Filled. And the reason I'm dedicated to this series is because I'm of the mindset that central, essential, and central to being a Christian, to being an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That being filled with the Holy Spirit is not sort of an offshoot of normal Christianity, but being a, being a Christian and being an authentic follower of Jesus actually requires that we are filled with his Holy Spirit, as I've been uh, trying to share with you over the last couple of weeks. And so far in this series, we've, uh, we've attempted to address two questions. And the first one is, who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And obviously, I just answered it. I, I believe every, every person needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single person. But the great paradigm shift between the Old Testament and the New Testament, one of the great shifts, is this. That in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the prophets, priests, kings, particular individuals who needed the flow of the Holy Spirit for a moment in time. In the New Testament, when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, he made way for this work to be completed and and for the prophecy of Joel to be fulfilled where God said, I want to pour out my Spirit on all flesh, on everybody. It's not just for the professional God people, but it's for everybody. You know, it's for Pat Plummer. Living your life, God wants to pour out his spirit on you and bless you in that way with his spirit. And so we looked at that first week at uh, somewhat at the, uh, the, the book of Acts and we saw that um, in that time frame that uh, there were people who were receiving the, what they you know, called the fullness of the Holy Spirit and that in every case, these people, uh, it says, had only received what was called the baptism of John or the baptism of repentance. And so John the Baptist who functioned while Jesus was on the earth, could only bring people to the place of repentance. Could only bring people to the place where, you know, they had the sorrow for their sins, that contrition we get in our hearts, when we know that we've sinned against a holy God, and we repent of our sins. Um, But what John was unable to do is offer them any more. Because Jesus had not yet died on the cross. Jesus had not yet risen from the dead. But once that had happened then, then the rest of the redemptive work of God was made possible in that people could not only come to the place of repentance, but that they could actually have the remedy for it, be forgiven of their sins through the shed blood of Jesus, and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that they could walk as authentic disciples and followers of Jesus. So we concluded from that study that that really every person calling on the name of Jesus needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit if they, if, they really, if they want to walk it, if they, if they want to be truly authentic as believers of Jesus. Um, last week, we attempted to address the question, what does it even mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, because you have some people who say, well, when it happens, this will happen. When it happens, this. And you see a, a lot of different presentations, kind of maybe depending on which radio station you're listening to or TV channel you're watching, but a lot of different presentations on what it even means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And... My concept that I shared with you is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And we don't find it difficult to to visualize, you know, God the Father. We don't find it difficult to visualize Jesus the Son. But when we get to the Holy Spirit, it gets sort of of sketchy, doesn't it? You know, what happens there? And so in that that case, it's difficult for us to think of the, the Holy Spirit as a person. And so... 
in, in being filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that it means to be indwelt by the person of God. To be indwelt, filled with the Holy Spirit, means not to be filled with, like, get your gas tank filled up so that you can, you know, soldier on for a little while longer, but that you're actually indwelt by and captured by the person of God who comes and fills you. And I likened it to being in love. I likened it to, you know, Mike's, you're so much in love with me, and it shows. And, and when you fell in love with her, everything changed, did it not? I mean, you, were, you bought her flowers and candy and sent her... You don't recall that part, Nina? Well, okay. Okay, so Harry, when you... When we fall in love, everything changes. And the reason is, is because we're really captured by, captured by that person. And we're, you know, in a real, in a real sense, we're indwelt by that, by that person, aren't we? So when we're with them, it's wonderful. And when we're apart from them, we want to be with them. And we're indwelt by them in that way. And that's just a small comparison to what God wants to do in coming and dwelling in us. And in, in, you know what I mean? We're, it doesn't mean to be juiced up for God. But what it means is to be indwelt and captured by the person of God in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Uh, today I'd like to endeavor to address the question, uh, well, what's the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, kind of what is God up to in filling people with the Holy Spirit anyway? What are his intentions? And uh, I have two passages of Scripture I'd like for you to think about. And the first one is in John chapter 14. We'll start in verse 16. And if uh, you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If not, we'll put it up on the screen for you anyhow. And uh, John chapter 14. And in this passage, Jesus is saying very, very memorable things. I mean, he's saying stuff like, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I'm feeling very led by the Holy Spirit to develop a series on the subject of heaven next following this. I think God has some things to say to us about heaven, which would be very, very encouraging. But Jesus said that there, and Jesus also said in that same passage in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so these are very memorable things. And part of what's happening here is Jesus is just finishing up his earthly ministry with these disciples and this crowds of people who would gather around them, and he's getting ready to give his life on the cross for us. So he's saying some things that obviously he wants to have remembered. And then uh, partly into this passage, he begins talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And we'll start in verse 16. And he said, And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to ask Father, and Father is going to send the third dimension of himself, so hard to even talk about, but the third person of himself, the third person of us, <laughs> but we're one, you know, and that's the Holy Spirit. He's going to send that one. And he says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. You know him. Sally Drummond, you know him. Why? Because he tells you, for he lives in you and will be in you. And we can see the Holy Spirit living in you. It's remarkable. And you know. I mean, the world can't see. The world without eyes that Jesus gives us, it's like, where is this Holy Spirit thing you're talking about? But you know, and you know. And it changes everything, doesn't it? <laughs> he says, but he lives in you. And then he says this 
beautiful thing in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus, who had become this obviously enormous presence in the lives of his disciples, was getting ready to leave them. But he said, don't worry. I'm not just going to go away. He said, this part will go away. He said, but if I go, remember, I'm gonna, I've asked the Father, and he will send you. Are you ready for this? Kind of another version of us, <laughs> of me, us, slash, three and one. And that's the Holy Spirit. He said, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you'll see me. He said, you'll be able to see me, Justin. You'll be able to see me. Why? Because, because I live, you also will live. That the life of Jesus returned to the earth in, a, in a, you know, this eternal form in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he said, uh, uh, because I live, uh, you also will live. On that day, verse 20, you realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That we're one. So this is being indwelt by the person of God. You know, not the juice, mystical juice of God, but the person. You know what I'm talking about, Alita. The person of God in your life. So this is what it means. And, and so that's one passage I want you to look at. And then let's look at another passage and we'll try to tie them all together. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So in this, in this verse that I'm about to read for you, by this time Jesus had already died for our sins, risen from the dead, moved around as the resurrected Christ. And these are the last, this is the last thing he's going to say to them before he ascends to the Father, right? So very important thing. Verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Catch that. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Semicolon or comma. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So with these two brief passages of Scripture in mind, let's, let's try to answer the question, what's the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit? What is God up to? Well, the first thing that I believe God is doing is this, is he's really making a people for himself. He's carving a people out of all humanity for himself. I mean, this is what God has been up to in the beginning, from the beginning with the Jews. He was carving a people out of all humanity for himself. And he goes, these are mine. These are mine. And the gospel message is broadcast to everyone. And those who are those who are moved to respond to him in faith and come to the Father through Jesus are then given the Holy Spirit and go, there, there's, there's some of mine right there. And right there, Dennis Drummond, spattered with the blood of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. They don't count because of what Jesus did for you and your trust in that. They don't count. No matter what the enemy says, they don't count. And the Holy Spirit in you says, he's part of my bride. He's part of my people. He's among what I am doing I am making a people for myself, and not just now, but historically through all the generations. God is making a people for himself. And these people are filled with his Holy Spirit. He indwells these people. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. He's making a people for himself. Now, in 1 Peter, it says that he's making a peculiar people. Look around this place, right? I mean... Living proof right here. A peculiar people. That there's going to be something peculiar about these people that he's making. They're not going to be like every other person on the planet. So what does that mean? If he says, I'm making a people, what's going to be different about us? Are we going to be religious? 
Well, there are 22 major religions on the earth right now. 22 different major religions that a person could be a part of. So most people on the planet are actually religious. So by being religious, even Christian religious, we wouldn't be peculiar, would we? Jesus did not come and die on the cross. Jesus did not rise from the dead and then ascend to the Father to give us the Holy Spirit so that we could become religious. You know, show up at the right times, read my Bible, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, I'll go now, yes, put it in my mouth, off we go. That's religion. And that's the, that would not make us different. And if you just want religion, I would pick a different one other than Christianity. There are easier ones. If all you want is religion and die in your sin, pick an easier one. This one costs 10%. Pick an easier one. Pick a cheaper one at least. Hello? I don't know what Scientology is going for these days, but if all you want is religion, it doesn't matter which one you pick. But if you want to connect with God, he said you have to come through his son, Jesus Christ, and that is not a religious thing. And in the process of that, he wants to make you peculiar. Well, what would be peculiar? Oh, well, we have, we have a holy book. Maybe this makes us peculiar. Well, we have the Quran, a holy book. We have the Bhagavad Gita, the holy book. Did you know the Baha'i faith has a thousand different holy books? So a holy book doesn't make us peculiar. What makes us peculiar is this, apart from all the other religions. God wants to indwell us. God wants to live in and through us. This is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that he indwells us, that he takes over that he lives inside of us, that he is not far off. For God to somehow be appeased or hollered to. But he wants to indwell us, and this makes us peculiar. It makes us strange compared to the rest. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is part of being made into the people of God. So it's not like one of those deals where you can go, you know, I'm going to sign up for the the full meal deal and be a charismatic filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you say, no, you know, I don't need to do all that stuff. It's okay. I don't need to do all that. All this stuff doesn't have anything to do with it. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will behave in ways that the Holy Spirit desires for you to behave. Some of you will be weird like Dennis. Some of you won't. You'll be your own brand of weird if you do it right. But you'll be peculiar. You know, one of the things that God wants to make peculiar about us that he's made very clear in the scriptures is that he wants us to be characterized by this one thing. He said, Jesus said, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you go to church every Sunday, if you pay your tithe, if you listen to the tall, bald guy, he said, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have what? Love, one for another. Love. And by the way, if you're here and go, ah, I didn't know that one, that's okay. All these people who said that, they've just been around too long, okay? If you have love, love for one another, where do we get this love? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and so on. You're just showing off now. Stop. Self-control. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love. I mean, how else can we really love each other? Really? Justin, how can I love you without the Holy Spirit? I mean, you're likable and all that. You're handsome and all that. Stand up here. Let's see what you look like here. Come over here. I mean, I'm called to love this brother, right? Not just like him, right? I got a harder one. He's called to love me back. We're in the same home group together. We hang together, right? And that, that requires something. That requires love. It requires grace. Yeah, it requires these things that are only come from the Holy Spirit. So if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't have the love and we're not peculiar. But I love this guy. Have a seat. Thank you. Right? But this is made possible by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So to say, I don't know if I want to go to this Holy Spirit stuff. It's it's not optional equipment. (laughs) It's standard. Because that's what makes us peculiar. And he's making, God's making for himself a peculiar people. The other thing God's doing is what? Remind me. Oh yeah, he's empowering the church to be an agent of the kingdom of God in the world. He's empowering the church. By that I mean, you know, his gathered people, whomever they are. Never mind what name is on the sign in front of the parking lot. But I mean, the gathered people of God, the collected people of God, he's enabling us wherever we are to be agents of his kingdom. The Holy Spirit wants to break out into the world and establish his kingdom. And some of you have been experiencing his kingdom now here, and you like it. Because, you know, it's that stirring inside of you that go, I don't know, that's just different than it ever was before. There's something that's cooking. There's something that's happening. And we see things happen. And that's the outbreak of the kingdom of God when the Holy Spirit comes. And that's something that, you know, we here at this church believe can happen whenever we acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. Whenever we say, you're king, from our hearts, as in worship, then he comes and says, okay, I'll be king and I'll bring my kingdom. And so God breaks out his kingdom and he's filling us with his Holy Spirit because he's, he's making the church the agent of the kingdom of God. Ooh. Wait, anybody been reading the Bible thing? No, seriously? Anybody been reading the Bible thing? Good concept, Elder. Good job raising your hand there. (laughs) Didn't want to show off. (laughs) What a guy. You get to the Bible, tell me, when, when was the church at its peak strength? When it was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on the church. The church responds in all kinds of wild ways. One of the things, Peter stands up and he gives a rather fumbling explanation for what's going on. And through that, 3,000 people were saved in an instant. That's power. This is God's intention for the church. Not to struggle along, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As an agent of the outbreak of the kingdom of God in the world. So this is what God's doing in the big picture. What about the personal picture? Like, what's in it for me? What's the personal picture? I believe God wants to give us our life back. He wants to give you your life back. 
by giving you the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you your life back, Katie, because we're part of this cosmic struggle between good and evil. I mean, Satan is not God's equal and opposite. He, he, Satan exists at the permission of God for reasons that are known to God. But we are caught in this cosmic struggle. And Satan raided the place and took our life away and introduced sin in its place. And think about it. Think about how sin in our lives sucks the life out of us. Whatever it is. You get in those habitual cycles of addictive sin. It sucks the life out of you, doesn't it? Whether they're chemical addictions, whatever, whether they're mental things or speech patterns or whatever, that it just sucks the life out of us. You know, all of our sin just puts its, puts its hands around our throat and just endeavors to choke us. I sometimes meet people who go, oh, I don't know if I want to become a Christian because all I have to give up. I say, Are you serious? Do you see what your life is doing? You're gasping for air because sin sucks the life out of us. Jesus Christ comes to do what? To redeem us from that and not just say, oh, you're going to be good on Judgment Day. Good thing for you trusting in Jesus. But to put his hand out to you and says, come on, brother, up. And to lift you to a new place. And you're coming to a new, better place every day, Justin. This is what God does. In the filling of the Holy Spirit, he gives us our life back. The life that was stolen from us in original sin is given back to us. And we can live. Man, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Isn't it good to be back from the dead? Anybody? I was dead. Were you dead? Doesn't it feel good to live again? He wants to give us our life back. You know, Jesus said just 10 verses earlier in our passage a little bit ago, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is the functional equivalent of the indwelling of Jesus in us, is the indwelling of the life. He wants to give you life. He wants to set you free. That's a good, that's a good deal. Paul said in Galatians, he said, I don't live, I'm dead. He said, it's not I who live. Anybody know this one? You're showing off again, man. You should. But Christ who lives in me. Exactly, brother. But Christ who lives in me. He says, I'm in here somewhere, but it's Christ living in me. Christ living inside of us. Giving us our life back. But the other thing is, is he came to empower us for authentic kingdom living. You know, the experiential realities of the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be experiencing this stuff. Jesus said in, in this same passage, John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If anyone has in faith in me, he said, he will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That's amazing. Jesus said, because I'm going to the Father... I'm completing the redemptive plan of God in such a way that the Holy Spirit will be released to you. And when the Holy Spirit is released to you, you'll do what I've been doing. Now, Jesus did some pretty cool stuff, yeah? And he said, you'll do what I have been doing. He said, you'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I am creating the bridge, the one mediator between man and God, the man Jesus Christ. And so he's releasing this power. We're supposed to be experiencing this stuff. 
on a consistent basis. We're supposed to be seeing the sick healed. We're supposed to be seeing the lost find their way to Jesus. We're supposed to be seeing people released from demonic influence. We're supposed to be seeing people released from horrendous psychological issues. They just a battle in their mind. We're supposed to be seeing the dead raised. Now why aren't we? Because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only explanation. The church, I mean. I don't know if it's because we're just a collection of individuals, you know, the consumer mentality that kicks in. It's like, yeah, this is my seat, buddy. You know? I don't know if we haven't found each other. But as a church, we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Or else we'd be seeing these things. I don't say that as a condemnation against you. It's probably condemnation of me. I'm the pastor for crying out loud, right? But this has my attention. God wants to give us our life back. The life of the church, too. He wants to just invade us. That's what the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit in this way. Give us our life back. Make us kingdom agents. Fill us. Did you ever find an old crusty dry sponge in the garage somewhere? Go, oh, I forgot about this one. Anybody? Know what I'm talking about? You know, it's yellow on one side and green on the other probably. And it's curled, looks like this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, as hard as a rock, you could throw out the neighbor's dog and they'd call the Humane Society on you or something, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And you go, wow, look at that thing. And isn't it amazing, though? When you plunge that in a bucket of water. Is that just amazing or what? Let's go, wow, look at this. Honey, I found the sponge. (laughs) It was dead. It was useless. What happened? What happened was all those dry, empty spaces were filled with the life of the water. And it became a whole different thing. This is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All these empty, lifeless spaces inside of us, created by sin, the world, are redeemed by Jesus. And then he wants to come flooding in and change everything. He wants to empower us. He wants to empower us. Remember that passage in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Comma. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So often I see that the message, the point of this is ground down to this in the church of America today. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he's going to give you the courage to share the words of the gospel with people you're nervous about sharing with. The words of the gospel. That's not what the passage says. It says when, you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power, comma, And as a result of the expression of that power, you'll be witnesses. You'll be witnessing to what? The words of the gospel? No, the demonstration of the works of God in front of you. And we've ground it down. The whole thing of witnessing has become a matter of advancing the creed of the Christian church. Dennis, did you know that you're a sinner? Yes, I know that. You know you sinned against the Holy God? Yes, I know that. You know that you can't do anything about it yourself? Yes, I know that. Did you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? Yes, I know that. Now, I believe. Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Can you confess your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Yes. Wow, I just got power to be a witness. 
That's just advancing the creed. That's just advancing the religion of Christianity. Separate from being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we see God work in front of us and we're witnesses to that. Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing me? Because I can start this whole message all over again. And most of you would stay. Come on. I want you to get this. I want you to feel this somewhere deep inside of you. That this Acts 1-8 is not about equipping you to go out and share tracts with people. It's about you going out and sharing what you have seen God do. And we've seen God do stuff. Yesterday, uh, Karen and I were sitting with uh, Tony and Don in our living room. and uh, We were just talking about stuff, and I had a buzz in my ear, like a bumblebee living inside there, you know, and, and I could hear myself breathe, you know, it was like a wind tunnel. I had the same thing around Easter time. And uh, when I had that big worship band up here, I had a blast, you know, they had like the whole stage covered with people's left. And I remember we, pra- we were practicing on Saturday, and then uh, Kathy, uh, although she was very late for that practice, uh, she came, uh, <laughs> and she's never late. I called her, hey, what you doing? Oh, I'm making mashed potatoes. Oh, really? Well, we're practicing music over here. So, okay, so anyway. So anyway, we had a nice time practicing and everything. I said, well, Kathy, since you were the last one to come, I guess I'm going to ask you to pray. You know, would you just pray? Lead us in prayer or something. And she did a beautiful job of leading us in prayer. And, you know, I just remember kind of putting my head over like this. And I had told them that I had a buzz in the air. I don't think she prayed about it. But when she was done praying, the buzz was gone. I mean, it was just gone. And Because I was kind of nervous about it. I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play on the team tomorrow because I can't hear anything out of this ear. And said, well, it doesn't matter. You sing the same whether you can hear or not, you know. And <laughs> like, oh, I don't think I can hear. And, and so we prayed about that. And it was gone. And I told, I told everybody, I said, Kathy, you just prayed. And, and my, it's gone, didn't I? Worship team tonight, you were there? Yeah. So anyway, Thursday of this week, I get done practicing with the team Thursday night. I got the bumblebee back in my ear. And I go, oh, crappeth. <laughs> you know, I, I want to lead worship this week, and I can't hear anything, you know. So it went on. Friday was getting worse. Saturday, we were at the children's ministry picnic. had a great time, and we were talking to people. And this thing was so buzzing my voice sounded like it was just reverberating in my whole head so whenever i'd talk to people i think i was yelling i'd say hey how you doing today oh, great picnic huh? and i'm even asking tony and don i'm saying am i talking too loud and they're going no you're good so anyway we finish there and we go home we're sitting in my living room and i i said i, I don't know if i'm, I'm going to be able to lead worship tomorrow i told the story about kathy praying for me at April, uh, easter time and Karen looks over at me, and she goes, well, I guess you better call Kathy. <laughs> Honest to goodness, didn't she not? She knows exactly what she said. And, you know, I, I, but I, we didn't, we, you know, we didn't stop and pray right then or anything, but I remember going, just as the conversation continued, you know, I, I, God, I know you could heal me with this. I know you could heal me with this. Within two minutes, I looked over at Karen and I interrupted her in the conversation. I said, did you just pray for me? Because it's gone. Gone. Now, that's a work of God. That is a work. Glory to God. That's just a work of God. It's still gone. 
And this is the work of God. This is what we're supposed to be seeing all the time. So that we're witnesses to the work of God. Yeah. Three questions for you. First, I'd like for you just to imagine with me. What could the church be like if what I'm saying is true? What could the church be like? And I don't judge other churches. I mean, just let's, let's just deal with what's in house, okay? What could this church be like if what I am saying is true? Can you just let yourself dream about what this church would be like? If the expressions of the Holy Spirit were that regular, that consistent, that powerful? Let me ask you a second question. What could your life be like? Your own personal life be like if what I'm saying is true, that the person of God wants to indwell us? That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? One more question. Where would you say you are in the process? Where are you? I mean, imagine your life on a continuum like this. And the stuff on the left is everything that happened before an event. And the stuff on the right is how things are since then. And, you know, maybe you got married and everything's different over here. Maybe you got a new job, everything's different. Maybe you start having kids and everything's different over here, right? But there's some big moment that comes in your life and goes clunk. And everything is different on the other side of it, right? Now, let me ask you this. When you came to Jesus Christ and asked him to be your savior, is the right side powerfully, substantially different from the left side? Some of you say yes. Some of you go, not so much. I mean, if what I'm saying is true about this Holy Spirit coming and doing these things, then when we, if, if that X signifies when you came to Jesus... The, the other side of that should be substantially different in the powerful expressions of the Holy Spirit in your life. And my concern is that the way the gospel is being preached in America today is that many people get stuck at the X. They get stuck at the cross. Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. The cross is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The cross of Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross once and for all, Hebrews 10 says. That's a wonderful, powerful thing. But repentance at the foot of the cross is not meant to be the end of the story. It's what qualifies you then to receive the rest of the story, which is the filling of the Holy Spirit, so that that line on the right side looks a whole lot different than the line on the left side. And my, my concern is that some people could get stuck at the cross and just try to struggle it out, just soldier on, you know? When God has something so much richer for us. And only you can know that. I can't look at you and know. Only you can know that. And so I want you to think about that. I want you to consider that in your own life. 
And I also have a special heart for those of you who are here. I think there are 11 of you, actually, who are here today who are ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. You say, no, I just want to get to the X. <laughs> you say, I, I just want to come to that place of asking Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. I, I, I'm just, I'm ready now. I don't know why I get it today or why today is the right day, but for some reason I feel like today right now is the right day for me to come and ask Jesus Christ to come into my life as my Savior, as my Lord. And guess what? We're not going to stop at the cross. We're just going to keep moving to the resurrected Jesus who wants to live inside of you. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you, if, if you're a person who would like to ask Jesus Christ into your life today, and you get to decide, but for whatever reason, today is the day. I want to pray with you. I personally want to pray with you. You guys could, I'm going to stand right here, and we're going to sing a song, and you guys could come right up here and make a group. And I want to pray with you, and I want to give you a Bible and get you started in your walk with Jesus. If you're a person, doesn't matter how long you've been going here, maybe things are just occurring to you now. It's like, oh, that's what it means. Then come and get it. Come and get what God has prepared for you. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together as believers and seekers and people of all kinds of different situations. And we just come to this place in our gathering and we ask you to just fully finish the work that you've begun in us. You've stirred your love in us for some reason. You've called us for some reason. We know that heaven is waiting, those who know you, and that's a wonderful thing. And, and yet, what about for now? And so we pray, Father God, that in these remaining moments of our time together, that every person will have an opportunity to experience you in reality. Every person will have an opportunity to know you. And I pray in particular for those who are ready to get to know you, for those whose hearts are stirring right now, going, he's talking about me, and they're stirring right now, and they, I wish I could just get my feet to move, and I just pray for them, Father God. I pray that nothing will hinder them from answering the call that you have placed on their lives, the call to give them life in the place of death, salvation in the place of condemnation, joy in the place of mourning. I pray for them now, and I pray that the rest of our few minutes together here would be just purposefully held in your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen.